Charlie Quinones. I'm a business mindset coach. I help companies that are struggling uh, to get out of their own way, and I help them get on a course and achieve their goals, uh, grow their business. You know, 25, 30%, 100%. I've helped company grow. Help companies grow 200%, 400%. And so uh, people who are growth-minded but feel like there's some kind of blockage. And so I get in, and it's usually mindset. So I, I, I focus predominantly on mindset strategy so that we can go out and execute and have as much success as possible. Welcome to Pursuing Perfectcellence, the weekly, bi-weekly, or frankly, whenever I can get around to at least glimpse into my type A-tastic journey away from the paralyzing pursuit of perfection and toward the empowering expectation of excellence. I'm your host, Hannah Holmes. Now, buckle up. I'm not exactly sure where this car is headed, but I'm pretty sure it's going to be a fun ride. Welcome, Charlie. Thanks, Hannah. <laughs> I'm so glad that you're here today. I w you and I were just talking and you and I met at an open house. Mm -hmm. You came by to visit my brother. I did. And I just felt this instant fascination with you and also connection. You have an authentic, magnetic personality and, it, and you know, it's, and it's not just your personality, it's your personality is fantastic, but it's also this wealth of wisdom that within a very short period of time, I was able to go, whoa, I need more of people like him in my life. And so I'm really excited that we've been able to connect at least like this and like to just kind of bounce ideas off each other. I cannot wait to see what you have to offer today. We just let this evolve kind of organically. Uh -huh. And um, so can you tell me about yourself? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I feel that same that same way. I feel like you you've been using a term here in the last few minutes called staying in your lane. Mm -hmm. So the way I translate that is a tribe. Mm -hmm. And so there are people that you have a vibe tribe where you vibrate at that same frequency within this tribe. So in some tribes you don't necessarily fit in because they're not your vibe, they're not your tribe. Mm -hmm. But when you get in proximity with people who you feel that connection, you're like, okay, this guy's a, or this lady's a potential tribe member mm -hmm. because we vibrate at that same frequency. And so when, the first time that I met you and we, you know, kind of connected and you felt that I saw your, um, there are th things that I look at in communication. One is your physiology, right? <laughs> and then uh, just your tonality and then just your posture. And so when you see that somebody's engaged with whatever you're saying and you're putting out good content or you're sharing or you're, you know, just bantering back and forth in conversation, mm -hmm. I pay attention to that. So I picked up on that too. And I was like, that was interesting. What kind of things are, do you pick up on? That's so curious to me. Like what kind of body language and such do you look for? So the uh, physiology is how you hold yourself, right? So people who are slunched over, um, are looking down or distracted or very closed, their, their shoulders are maybe pulled in. Mm -hmm. But somebody who's bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, their shoulders <laughs> are back, they're, they're leaning in, they turn their head to the side a little bit and they, they just press in and you can see the physiology of the body is saying a bunch. It's saying, I'm intrigued with what you're saying and I'm leaning in. And so I look for that without anybody having to say anything. That's gotta be something you've learned or is it something that's innate to you? No, it's all about, you know, personal growth and getting into that, you know, learning that what percentage is tonality, physiology, 
and actual what is the percentage of actual words being spoken mm -hmm. because um, you know you could say my name Charlie you know hey Charlie how you're doing but if I hear Charlie <laughs> see there's a tonality there yeah and and so that tonality is a big part of the communication because in, in relationship and communication whether it's in business in corporate America or even at the house there's a tonality that we use within our members within our company within those around us and so that tonality you could say something uh, to somebody who's from a different vibe tribe the way they talk in their tonality it's like man that's either abrasive mm -hmm. or you know or you could say man just that that person's a you know soft spoken sweet person mm -hmm. like i really like that and i'm you know either attracted to that or you're put off by their vibration and their tonality um and, and, and it's not that they're trying to necessarily push you away. It's just their form of communication. So discerning that and understanding that because you can really kind of dismiss an obnoxious person who's just like loud, boisterous, overwhelming. And your physiology, it could be shrinking people back. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so for a guy like me with my personality, learning how to dial that in because I could be very aggressive, abrasive, because I'm passionate. And the only reason why I found out that I'm abrasive is, of course, I'm, I've been married for 24, going on 25 years. <laughs> and so I've had a lot of practice with my wife, which is sure. a whole lesson within itself because um, I had to learn that discipline within my home mm -hmm. with my wife and children. And then when I took it to the marketplace, um, the return was overwhelming. Mm -hmm. In, in, in some of my circles and some men or anybody who might be listening, uh, you may have a measure of success in the, in, in the marketplace, high achiever, very, uh, you know, looked after, sought after, thought highly of, but could be totally failing in the home. Mm -hmm. And so I, that, that's another bunny trail in, in, in itself where I learned my education was in the home. Because when I began to work on communication and pay attention to my wife and children, their physiology, their tonality... Um, it caused me mm -hmm. to say, well, who's your leader and why are you talking like that? Oh, that's good. And so it was all here, mm -hmm. right? Which is part of my philosophy that I was taught by my, my mentor, Jim Rohn, who is gone. But he would say, in order for things to get better, Charlie, you have to get better. Mm. In order for things to change, you have to change. Don't wish for less problems. Just, just wish for more skill set to overcome them, right? And so when these problems would come up in my family, I'm like, okay, so if I want this situation to change within my wife and my children, let's examine who their leader is. What's their leadership structure look like? Mm -hmm. Well, who sets the tone for that leadership? Right. I do. You do. Mm -hmm. So they're a reflection of who I am. Mm -hmm. And so my wife back in the day, she would say, you're one person in the home, but you're somebody totally different in the marketplace. Because when we go to these socials and people are saying, oh, Charlie, he's this magnetic dude. Mm -hmm. And, but they're like, if she, and she's thinking the whole time, if they only really knew mm -hmm. that real Charlie, he's yeah. not all that he's that, but he's struggling in the home. You know what I mean? Right. But when I, and so what I translated that to is when I was that achiever, I always achieved. I always excelled. I was, I was very concerned about being number one. I was very concerned about being on top. Mm -hmm. I was about making the biggest check, making the most impact. And so having that type of personality, I always felt like there was more. Mm -hmm. So like when it came time for promotion to move up, it was like, you know, we just, you know, we're not, we decided not to go with you. Mm -hmm. And it was maybe a timing issue or whatever, but 
this is what I this is where I connected the two is once I started to get my house in order behind the scenes that vibration and energy translated into the marketplace and people began to say I don't know what it is about you but I like you wow okay so how long ago was that that you recognized this need in the home for there to be a transformation and how that you were approaching things and what are some things practically that you did because that I think there are a lot of people that can relate to exactly what you're saying I can relate a hundred percent um I I'm glad you said that because even I go with my son I have this morning um habitual blow up before school and we're trying to get a grip on that and you know I use the language like choose something different we have to choose something different and yet I'm setting the tone as the leader am I choosing something different so can you take me back to kind of when that when that came up and and what strategies you implemented and what kind of changes you saw on the home front as a result yeah one was um, really doing some deep diving within myself Part of my philosophy is draw a circle around yourself and work on everybody in that circle. Mm -hmm. So those are some manipulatives that I would tell myself, like, okay, who do I need to, in this situation, in this argument, in this conversation, in this meeting, in this boardroom, wherever, I, who's in that circle and how do I work on that person? And I am that person. Mm -hmm. And so coming into that realization is I, I kept having the same issue arise within my family. Same issue, same issue. I, and so I began to notice a pattern, right? And my wife was trying to tell me about the pattern the whole time, but her tonality, her physiology, I'm like, I was, I was, I was put off by it. Right. Like, don't, don't you tell me. Uh-uh. Mm -hmm. That's not the way it's worked. Don't you see who I am in the marketplace? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So when she would talk to me with that tonality and physiology and it was very aggressive, not she wasn't unruly like screaming, not, and we've had some of those obviously, mm -hmm. but even in the casual, it was very defensive and I created barriers and I didn't let that penetrate. Of course, you know, I was trying to, I'm saying, how do I work on, on, on her? Mm -hmm. But when my pivot changed is when I began to look inward and say, okay, maybe I don't need to fix my wife and I need to fix my children. I need to fix myself. And it really took a tragedy. It really took a tragedy, which was a what I call, um, you know, the struggle is not only real, but it's very necessary. Mm -hmm. So uh, one of my things that I've recently in, in, in this season has talked about is that there was um, a serpent in the garden. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There's been a problem since the day of creation. Right. And that resistance and that problem and that force has been there since the garden. Mm -hmm. What purpose does it play? Mm -hmm. What is it bringing to my, to, to, in front of me? What's it putting in front of me that I have to face? Yeah. So some people it's like, um, you know, it's through tragedy, through heartbreak, through separation, through almost divorce, through all these things that happen in life. Mm -hmm. So, uh, it, I think the number one thing that got me through it was one, I'm a, I'm a man of faith. So scripture hundred percent got me through mm -hmm. scripture was like my starting point. Um, and for many, many years for, you know, 15 years, it was my end all be all. And I really didn't dive too much into, I would read a personal development book, you know, a couple times a year. Now I'm devouring them by the month. Mm -hmm. And so, but it was those little seeds 
it was little seeds from those books and the book, mm -hmm. the greatest success book ever written, that helped me. And it brought those things to my mind like, man, in order for things to change, I need to change. What does that look like? And how do I start with myself? So it started me on a journey of self-discovery and self-healing. Mm-hmm. What would you say to someone who's convinced themselves, I can't change? Oh, wow. That's powerful. Okay, so why? Mm -hmm. Why do you think you can't change? What obstacles are preventing you from changing? I, I would ask questions. Mm -hmm. um, so I would ask and help them discover what that is. And more times than not, it comes back to a wound, something that has happened, a fear, or you know, the subconscious mind that was programmed to keep us safe our entire life to tell us, no, don't touch that stove. No, don't enter into that relationship. Don't you remember the last time you touched it and got burned? Mm -hmm. um, so the subconscious mind, this self-sabotaging voice that's inside of us that can turn, it can turn from fear of failure to fear of success. Oh, that's interesting. Can you tell me more about that? Like just what that looks like? Yeah, uh, Marianne Williamson is a is a, a poet that you've probably heard or read of, or maybe you've heard of her work. But our greatest, our deepest fear is not that we're inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we're more powerful beyond comprehension. Because we know we have this greatness inside of us. We know that we were created for purpose. We've got this giant inside of us. Now, whether that giant ever manifests and comes out, that's a different story. Mm -hmm. But... So where does that come from? I've always known that I was created for great things, for destiny. But that serpent in the garden was giving me the resistance and the strength that I needed to develop into the person that I am today. Well, that's very interesting. That's a different perspective. I am fascinated about the thought of like fear of failure will shift into fear of success because I think even myself, I've seen where I just haven't had financial massive financial success ever modeled for me and so then thinking along those lines I always feel kind of like I shouldn't think like that like I should not think about financial success and anything you know like I should just think about just serving people just serving people serving people and then I wonder if that is a fear of success somehow I, when I say success I mean it depends it depends on how you define success but if I were to talk about it from a financial perspective I think I would probably have a little bit of a fear of that and mainly it's a fear of not knowing what the heck to do <laughs> yeah and that is that's a that's a there's that's a that's a lofty or weighty topic because that conversation can go you know a few different ways but if i could stay in that same vein of thought of okay what could it be and it's really a relationship it's i would call that most people that i encounter have a bad relationship with money mm -hmm. either it was lorded over them as a child and they were programmed and some of the dialogues in homes were uh, we can't get that right now. We can't afford that. And you, you're growing up in a home with a lack mentality. And so you grow into adulthood and you're like, why do I have this bad relationship with money? Mm -hmm. And why can't I, how do I reconcile that? And this is called neuro-linguistic programming, right? Mm -hmm. These NLP, these, you know, these traces have been burned into our mind and our subconscious mind that prevent us from actually walking into a flourishing relationship with money, mm -hmm. a growing relationship with money, a healthy, you know, that's the other thing is like, you know, you hear all the stories within the home, you know, lights are about to get shut off or we don't have this, you know, we can't make that payment or this is tight. Well, we can't, this month's tight. And so you have this talk 
and it becomes part of your DNA and you grow up with it and to shake it off and get it off of you, it's like, yuck, you know, mm -hmm. especially uh, uh, females who have husbands who watch over the finances and lord over that and use that against them, mm -hmm. they, 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 grow, they can grow. And men, likewise, we can grow a disdain for money. As a matter of fact, I want to do what I love, but don't pay me. Mm -hmm. uh, because I feel dirty with it and it mean and what money means and is meant in my family has meant a dirty thing mm -hmm. and so it's really a mentality of breaking that and saying okay how do I come into a better relationship with money and how do I use it as a force for me and not a force against me so you said something when we were at that open house when we met and it, it stuck with me and I have tried to implement that and it's simply changing your verbiage from Instead of saying, I can't afford that, what do you say? It's not in the budget. That. And people, my kids say, well, what is the budget? <laughs> and I'm like, well, let's look at it. Okay. Well, let's go to it. So my kids have access to my budget, my spreadsheets. Mm -hmm. Because when we planned a trip growing up, we made it a, a project. Oh, cool. It was a financial project. We want to go to New York. Okay, well, look up tickets. How much does it cost? They're my secretary. Well, we found six tickets. We can get them for one seventy-five a piece round trip. Okay, well, how much is the hotel? Okay, so if Dad works this many hours, how many hours do I have to work to pay for this trip? Mm. Now, that could take me eight years, but in two years, you're getting a job. If you got paid X amount of dollars an hour and were able to set apart a side of your... How much sooner could we go? Mm -hmm. So I started my kids with critical thinking and planning and saying, okay, how do we budget for this? Mm -hmm. because kids, some kids if you say it's not in the budget they're going to say well when is it going to be in the budget golly mm -hmm. some parents will be like mm, we don't have a budget mm -hmm. so that's kind of the thing so yeah so we say that say you know it, it's not in the budget but um, we can we can figure out a way to put it in the budget for sure I love that you described yourself to me as a serial entrepreneur mm -hmm. so tell me a little bit about some of your business ventures what you've learned, yeah, where, where, how it's led you to where you are right now and what you're doing right now. Yeah, that's a great question. So <clears throat> my dad is, and I are from a different tribe. Okay, I got you. That's a very good way based on what you just described. Yeah. His, his model was get a job, work for 40 years, don't bounce around. It's a sign of instability. It's a sign of you know, fear, it's a sign of not being stable in your mind, your heart, your spirit, your soul. And I was like, I can't sit on that assembly line for 40 years. And I, I feared that. Mm -hmm. I, as, a, as a young boy growing up, I, I saw the Garza family four blocks down from our neighborhood. And all of a sudden they were remodeling their house. And they started driving new cars. And I'm like, well, what What are the Garces doing? And whatever they're doing, why are we not doing it? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, um, but he was an entrepreneur. And he was a mover and a shaker. And he was following a different career path. And it wasn't the path. So I jumped around from job to job. I was trying to learn about industry. I was fascinated about at an early age, when I started cutting lawns and doing all the things little boys do to, to make money, pull weeds, or whatever it was, I was interested on. I was interested in um, the margins. Where's the money at? If I can buy this thing for a dollar, mm -hmm. but I have to buy ten of them to get them at a dollar, and I can sell these popsicles or these suckers, 
you know, and take them to people and charge them 75 cents, you know what I mean, more than what I paid for them. Mm-hmm. Like, where's that money at? And how do people do that? Because I, I would go to the store as a little boy and I'd look at a bag of chips mm-hmm. and I'm like, how much did it cost to make these chips in this bag? So I was always asking myself questions and keeping myself cur- uh, you know, current. Here's a good story. Greeley, Colorado, um, there was these guys selling these printers out of the back of their their trunk. Uh-huh. Mr. Hewlett, Mr. Packard. Uh-huh. And they built this huge facility in Greeley, Colorado, this assembly line. And I was like, how much does it take to make these plastics and these printers and these arms and this ribbon that's going back and forth? So I got a job there. Oh, wow. And so I was one of the, 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 the first people on this assembly line mm-hmm. that... Um, you know, when this new technology would come come out, we would be, you know, we'd be assembling these printers. And I'd be like, this is a huge, massive facility. Like, where are the margins at here? Okay, yeah. And so I just kept that inquisitive mark. So anyhow, to have that kind of mindset and then to start taking risks and taking things into action. I was actually at Hewlett Packard where I met a guy in the department that I was in. And he says, hey, man, do you ever keep your options open um, to making more money? Um, and I'm like, yeah, 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 that's what I'm about. <laughs> so I was actually 17 at the time mm-hmm. and, um, he came over and he showed me this business opportunity. It was in network marketing mm-hmm. and I'm like, this makes too much sense. Like I've been, I mean, this is like, makes too much sense. And I'm like, yeah, I want in, sign me up. Let's go. Well, I couldn't sign up because I wasn't 18. Mm. And so anyhow, and my dad said, you better not do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, don't do that. That's the worst thing that you ever could have done. Hindsight 2020, my dad, you know, tells me nowadays, he's like, I'm so glad you didn't listen. <laughs> I'm so glad that you didn't listen to me because I see the success that you've been able to achieve. Mm-hmm. And it's because it's a different path. It didn't look like the path that I thought I wanted for you. It looked mm-hmm. different. But nonetheless, I'm thankful that you didn't listen to me when I discouraged you not to do those things, mm-hmm. which that was 35 years in the making for him to say that. Mm-hmm. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Um, so, but anyhow, started my first company, age of 18. Since then, I've owned approximately 27 companies that I've either bought, sold, started from scratch. Uh, I built a multi-million dollar company at the age of 38 um, wow. and helped others build others. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm helping other people. Now my passion is to take the last 27 years of um, building mm-hmm. my businesses, achieving a measure of success, and helping others along the way. My pro bono work, I did a lot of pro bono work, a lot of internship work. Mm-hmm. Nobody was classifying it as that. There mm-hmm. was no college that was recognizing it and saying, okay, you got to go do an intern somewhere or you got to go do a lab or go do a study or bring back a paper. But I was in this school of life to learn how to grow and do that on my own. Mm-hmm. And so um, now I'm able, my goal is for anybody that's listening, is saying if you are struggling within your company, mm-hmm. let's take the next 10, 15, 20 years and let's look at that and see what it looks like and see if we can turn that learning curve from a 15, a 10, 15 or 20 you know, year learning curve. And let's see if we can minimize that within one to five years. Yeah. Wonderful. So how do people before, I just want to make sure we get this in here and heard, how do people find you and, and reach out to you? 
to, yeah. to get the services that you provide? They can, they can call my business phone. I have a business line. It's 325-668-2990. That's the best way you can shoot me a text, program it in your phone. Uh, 325-668-2990. That's the best way to reach me. Uh, you can find me on all social media, Charlie Quinones on uh, Facebook and CQ Biz Coach um, on Instagram. That's uh, CQ B-I-Z Coach on, on the gram. Um, so you can reach me at those three places. Wonderful. That's good. I wanted to make sure that people know how to get in touch with you. I cannot recommend you enough. I just think Aww. that I, I know that I haven't walked through it, but I just can tell in connecting with you, just authenticity resonates so much with me. And I think that, mm. and you know, I may not necessarily know that I'm picking up on the same things. I love that you described like the vibe tribe. I love that. And, and so that makes a whole lot more sense about why I was like, Oh my gosh, this guy, like I would just was like, Oh my goodness, nobody can see me right now. Cause we're not videoing, but my eyes were like big and like, I want to hear everything that he has to say. You and I talked that day as well about something and I find it to be really important and it's going back and looking at our faith and when you're in the in-between and so you're at a place where say you have um, you're having success mm -hmm. and then there's this in-between place where things may not necessarily be moving the direction you expect or want or for whatever reason and then there's another place that you're getting to and once we get from point A to point B, we often say, oh, I knew God would come through for me. I knew it. I knew it. But in the middle, are we really, really that sure that he's going to come through for us? And it was, yeah. that was another thing that you said that just impacted me greatly. Wow. Can you talk about that at all? Can, I mean, yeah. it's so good. <clears throat> Thank you so much. Wow. This is so, I call it from problem to providence or from problem, problem, uh, providence to problem, it doesn't matter. There's a space in between. So you have this thing come up. And so my thing was, um, was several, was several um, scenarios where a problem came up in my company. Mm -hmm. And it felt like it was like so detrimental that it took the wind out of our sails. And so um, we would go through this season in this space that you mentioned, and then... God would bring us out of it and we would feel like this weight come off of our shoulders. Uh, we were able to exhale. We got the, our physiology changed. We were standing taller. We were waking up earlier. We were excited. We were just in this peak state moment. But what I learned is in that space from the time that the problem arise to the time that provision or providence was given, how did I act or carry myself in that space? Was I negative? Was I irritable? Was I coming home and taking it out of my, my family? Was I kicking the dog? Was I making people's lives around me miserable because I was stressed, worried? And so there was a problem where, and I'll share this one, this is where it kind of like I was able to implement, where I, the first time I was clearly able to implement the system that I, I use now. Mm -hmm. So um, it's a Friday, we write checks, you know, some uh, a weekly a weekly payroll for our subs and the guys that I worked with, the office manager, everybody. Uh, we were about $35,000 weekly mm -hmm. on average. And so uh, come Friday, we write the checks at 2 o'clock. Everybody picks up their checks, subs, et cetera, et cetera. 
well, about six o'clock, you know, it's Friday. Like I'm checked out. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I'm done. And I'm like, hey, uh, Charlie, your your checks aren't going through. And I said, well, that's not, that's impossible. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I had this 100% complete, like there is no way. You get that initial shock that goes down your back, you know, like what is going on? And I'm like, hey, listen, something like this similar happened a couple of weeks ago with my bank. So let me see if I can get it worked out. A few minutes later, another phone call from a different company. Hey, your check's not, so okay, so this is a problem. And I'm like, so I take, I filled a few more calls similar and say, we're going to check on a Monday. Don't worry. Hold on to it. It's great. Well, come Monday, go down to the bank and they're like, Mr. Quinone, is your, all of your accounts have been seized by the government. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. So you would say that was a bit of a problem. A bit of a problem. So, you know, it put us it put us back, you know, it was about $89,000 hole that I went into in a matter of 0.0 seconds. You know, it took, mm. it took that long for the, for the government to seize my accounts. Like right. that long. And so uh, there was some preventative things that I could have done to do that, but I wasn't aware of them mm-hmm. necessarily. And so here was an opportunity because our office manager, she's like, she was like having a nervous breakdown. Mm-hmm. The company was rocked to the core. And I'm like, I'm like, Shelly, we're in a space. And if there was ever a time to practice peace, trust, and I wrote trust on our big board in our office, and I spelt it out big trust. If there was ever a space and time where we needed to trust, because remember last time when we came out of a similar situation and we went out and had stakes? Mm-hmm. And remember how we felt? Let's recreate that emotion and let's recreate that feeling. Mm-hmm. Even though it's hard right now because I want to become irritable, mm-hmm. uh, you know, kick the wall <laughs> yeah, or whatever in that space. But let's put what we've learned through our last situations and let's choose a different path. Kind of like what you were talking about. Yeah. So we chose joy. We chose peace. And of course, things progressively get a little bit worse, mm-hmm. right? You know, it's like when gonna you're... going to challenge that. Yeah, you got to challenge <laughs> that. There, Here's the serpent in the garden. Here's the weights in the weight room, mm-hmm. right? We don't walk into a weight room and we're just appalled or surprised that there's actually weights in the weight room. That's so good. Right? It's there for our resistance. It's there for our strength. So here's a two millimeter shift. Life doesn't happen to you. Life happens for you. It's just that one little word from two to four. Mm-hmm. Life happens for you not to you. So I'm like, okay, let's adopt that in this space. Life is happening for us. Now, how do we get that perspective, that two millimeter shift and get a new perspective on that? And it's difficult. It is very hard. It's, it's, it, but this is kind of where I became very upset with myself mm-hmm. is because when the prov- and previously in the years past where I didn't practice this, that providence came through, but I there was a wake of destruction in my path. Mm. When I look back in my back and behind me, I had this path of destruction that this tornado came through and whipped, ripped my relationship with my family apart. Mm-hmm. And now I come home and everything's fixed. And I'm like, hey guys, everybody get dressed, take a shower. We're going out to eat tonight. I love you guys. You guys are so... And they're like, wait, 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 wait. There's There are consequences. Yes. For, yeah, for reacting. Yeah. So this was a cycle of violence. Mm, mm-hmm. And it was a pattern in my life. Mm-hmm. 
And I thought to myself, in order for things to change, mm-hmm. I need to change. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's so good. I love it. That was really, that impacted me. And this was all within like a 30 minute conversation I had with you where I was like, oh my goodness. Like, <laughs> yeah. so it's good. Thank yeah. you for sharing. Cause I think that's so valuable for so many people. Um, so we talked a little bit before I hit record that this is, a, you know, I started this, it's kind of about journeying away from the paralyzing shackles of perfectionism. Do you feel like perfectionism has ever been on your shoulder? Oh, yeah. We, we talk about the six fatal P's to every coach or to every business, and perfectionism is one of those P's. Uh-huh. Uh, and there's, there's more that are plagued. P words that you're like, oh my gosh, I didn't know I was plagued by that too. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think it, it is. It's um, analysis paralysis. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's where you analyze things so much that you're like, you talk yourself out of it. Mm-hmm. And so I've definitely struggled with that, um, especially when I was asking myself with this, one of the companies that I built, this came to me, this idea came to me because it wasn't my passion. Mm-hmm. It wasn't the path that I was going to, that I knew I was supposed to be taking. It was a very successful company, but I said, I either want to sell it, give it away, or shut it down. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I tried selling it. That's the first thing. It it didn't sell after a couple of years. Um, I couldn't give it away. I I, I gave it to two people and they just didn't want it. Okay. Wow. Multi-million dollar company. They didn't want it. So eventually, kicking and screaming, I had to just shut it down Mm -hmm. because it wasn't congruent to my life path. Okay. And so, um, burning that ship, right? Burning the plow, yeah, yeah, and the oxen and everything that I earned my li- livelihood with, right? Yeah, uh, it was a, an Elisha moment to where I was like, okay, it took me two years to get there after I had made that decision. And so I felt gripped, I felt choked, I felt paralyzed, I felt like, you know, I wanted this perfect transition mm-hmm. into this next phase of my life, but. Um, as a matter of fact, um, one of the things in my uh, daily declarations, um, I took it out, but I still have it in my notes, was not everything is perfect right out of the gate. Mm-hmm. Because I was the type of guy that I wanted everything perfect out of the gate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, But it's not only unattainable, it's insane. Mm-hmm. So. It is. It keeps you from doing anything because it's, it's not... I mean, first of all, I think perfection is, I mean, perfection is unattainable when I really think of it sitting in my rational mindset in a conversation. (laughs) It's a little different when I'm actually trying to start something, then I, I can say that right here, but Mm -hmm. I still may over here be paralyzed by it thinking like, oh, I'm not going to do that because I don't know how to start. I don't know how to get it just right. I don't know all the nuances of it. And so, um, what I'm finding that I love though is that when you just pull the trigger and start moving forward, you you accelerate on a learning curve because you start figuring out how this works, how that works, how um, and I and I love even doing real estate. It's it's fun for me just to know like when I have a conversation with somebody. And I never bring it back around to real estate, for instance, if I'm having a conversation where I want to eventually like at least say, hey, could you keep me in mind if you hear of anybody who's wanting to buy or sell? And sometimes I won't get to that point because I'll talk myself out of saying anything. 
And, but then I'll go back and reevaluate. What did I do? And what could I have done differently? And how could I have interjected that without being awkward or off put? Or sometimes I do bring it up and then I'm like, well, that felt really awkward. What could I have done differently to move that conversation in the way that it needed to move? Um, I just, I love just being able to learn as you go. I'm starting to learn. Mm -hmm. I'm starting to love that process more than I love the idea of being flawless when you put something out. Does that make sense? Yeah. So. Yeah. And here, here's something that, that, that I'm going through with my wife right now is we're opening up a new company and it's going to be amazing. I can't wait to do it. And finally we can do it together. And, oh, fine. and, and we, me and my wife have worked together for many, many, many years, but never at this level, never at this level of, um, you know, personal development and growth. And so when you're to what you're saying is, okay, um, getting to that point of how do I talk about my business and how do I make it not awkward? Mm -hmm. One of the things that we do is I tell my wife is find out what they want, mm -hmm. find out what's blocking them. So when you're in a conversation, for example, if I was to take real estate agents, like I'm a real estate agent with, you know, Keller mm -hmm. and, you know, like, oh, you are? Yeah. Right. What? Hey, I'm curious. What are some of the things that you've heard or you've experienced that you, you like about realtors or you don't like or what has been your experience? Mm -hmm. They're going to tell you everything they like about mm -hmm. or everything they do not like about their last experience or what they've heard of what they said. So um, you log that into your mindset mm -hmm. and carry on with a conversation about them. Wonderful. And, leave that, and at, at the exit, they've already given you everything they like and they don't like. So if you're ever looking for somebody who's not pushy, and fun to be around because they, you're using their verbiage back on them, right? You're mm -hmm. using their words that they've used yeah. and you're communicating their language back to them. Mm -hmm. So if you pick up on words like, uh, yeah, my sister, I was with my sister when she bought a house and this guy was so pushy and so antsy and kept pacing back and forth and it just felt uncomfortable. But then, you know, something happened and this other guy came in, was going to help him on the deal and he was so nice. Mm -hmm. So, or whatever, you, you can say... In an exit strategy, and this is kind of what my wife is, we're, we're in nutrition. Mm -hmm. How do you think I could best help you? Mm -hmm. Instead of giving them the whole spill on everything that we can do and all the things that we offer, but if they say, you know what, I'm really self-conscious about my belly. Well, I'm not going to tell them about you know, the, the, the... the 50 things that I could do for them, mm -hmm. but I am going to tailor the conversation to what's in it for them. Mm -hmm. How can I benefit you the most? All I care about is serving people. Mm -hmm. and helping them achieve their goals, whether it's buying their next home or whatever it is. Problem is in conversation and networking, we just want to tell them what I do. This is what I do. Mm -hmm. This is how I can help you. So, Coming from contribution. Yeah. Right? That's what it sounds... Yeah, just... Yeah. I, and so when you when you when when I sit down and ask people, well, you sought me as... Here's another thing of congruency. You ask what help. Yes, the word of God. Yes, personal development. But in an area of congruency is I hired a coach. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So you, you've got to eat your own cooking. Mm -hmm. And so for, for me to speak with certainty and feel that tone and vibration when I speak, mm -hmm. people can feel that certainty mm -hmm. and they pick up on that vibration, which creates a confidence. Mm -hmm. And they're like, okay, so this guy, you know, he's, he's, I feel that. Yeah. And that's what you picked up on. Yeah, definitely. You're using the word congruence and I was using the word authentic, but I get, that's it. That's that's the word for it, being congruent in what you're doing and what you're offering versus how you're living. 
It's good. Yeah. The the marketplace and in the home, there's got to be a congruency. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And and you can you can achieve a measure of success because a type personality high achievers they can, but never the full measure that they've dipped into. Like uh, there was a point where I was like, okay, God, I'm ready for the press down, shaking together, running over part. Like when does that kick in? Yeah. Yeah. And it was when I got this going that I still, God started saying, okay, this is how we run that. Wow. So. So you've transformed your entire family. I mean, wow. Yeah, and it's 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 beautiful because they're on a congruent path with me, mm-hmm. reading some of the same books. As a matter of fact, we just took a book that I've read over a hundred times, which is, you know, I have a lot of books that I've read like that. Mm-hmm. And I recommend anybody who's listening, you know, when you've heard that song that resonates with you, mm-hmm. do you ever turn that song off and never listen to it again? Right. <laughs> so good that's so good you gotta put that read on it, repeat read it read it read it, yeah. read it read it again and so um and i had talked to my kids about it but i realized i bought them books before but i never i so i ordered a, a box of these books and the first three went to my my wife because i had a copy but i do audible so um one of my audible hacks is i put it on you know a couple of speeds higher and i follow the book as i read listen to it oh cool so i can so i can see touch feel smell here involved more senses so that I can absorb the information twice as deep, twice as fast. That's that's wonderful. See, I'm loving it because you're just interjecting these strategies that you have in your life that are that are helping you walk out the growth that you want and that you're helping others to get to. What are some practices that you're absolutely committed to in your life? Yeah, I think the lady that you had previous on the last podcast. Um, Christine. Christine. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So powerful. Holy cow, I need to meet that lady. Uh, totally need to... I want, I want that connection. I just want to listen to her. And I, could, I could have sat and listened to both of you talk through oh. the whole podcast. So she talked a little bit about rituals and uh, Brendan Burchard and, uh, you know, successful, you know, high, high habits, uh, you know, this daily planner that helps you and asks you these questions. What are, you know, what's the message to myself today? Mm-hmm. What are these rituals and what should I call rituals, which... It, uh, um, uh, that we do. What are those things that you do? So, because emotion dictates the quality of our life, mm-hmm. which is a powerful statement. It is. It's that in itself is weighty. Like, what do you mean emotions dictate the quality of our life? Yeah, they do. So, how do I ensure the best quality of emotions before I leave the house? What are those rituals? What are those things that keep me on that? And so, I've got practices that I keep, and some of those things that I do is always personal development. And my personal development time. Um, so this morning, for example, uh, I wake up, I pray, mm-hmm. and um, I exercise and stretch. And I do qigong on certain days, which is an ancient, you know, Chinese secret. <laughs> okay, I got you. <laughs> and, uh, of martial arts. Uh-huh. Uh, but it, it creates this energy within me. And I feel, the, I feel the move of energy moving within my body, in my hands. I feel it everywhere. Like I'm created this powerful being. And then um, I do uh, on other days, some, on the days that I'm not doing Qigong, I do a, a, a little workout at the house. And I don't care if it's, you know, 10 push-ups, you know, 10 jumping jacks, something that you can get that blood flow and get oxygen moving through your body so that you can start that breathing pattern mm-hmm. to cycle, to circle that oxygen throughout your body, your toes, all the way to your brain. Mm-hmm. And then I take a cold shower, mm-hmm. 100% cold showers. And I, I think do. You, and you guys talked about that too on the podcast was like... Taking cold showers, which is changing your physiology. Mm-hmm. And so when we're in the shower, I'm saying yes. 
yes. Mm -hmm. The whole time I'm in there, I'm saying yes. Mm -hmm. Yes to opportunity. Yes to uh, new connections. Yes to whatever's coming to my mind at that time mm -hmm. in that shower. And I'm saying yes to your providence. Yes to your abundance. Yes to joy. Yes to peace. Yes, yes, yes. And then I uh, eat breakfast. Uh, this is all within the first 30, 45 minutes mm -hmm. of me waking up. I try to get a nutritional meal in, in my in my body within the first 30, 45 minutes. Because I don't spend, I do a seven-minute chi. It's an app. You mm -hmm. know, it's a seven-minute chi exercise. Um, and so, uh, and then I do, well, I'm drinking my shake. I have a nutrition shake in the morning. I'm reading either scripture or uh, something right now. I'm reading Greater from Stephen Furtick. Mm -hmm. uh, my third time going through that book. Uh -huh. And then um, my book that I'm listening to in my car is a book that um, uh, I go over once a year uh, around this time. There's, there's two that I do in January and there's two that I do in fall. And um, they're The Power of Positive Thinking mm -hmm. and How to Win Friends and Influence People mm -hmm. is in January. And then Think and Grow Rich. Mm -hmm. So in my, in my drive time to the office, I'm listening to Think and Grow Rich. Okay. And I have to pause. Here's the big thing is I always pause on Audible. You can take notes. Mm -hmm. You know, you can bookmark that mm -hmm. on Audible and it'll say, do you want to add a note? So I add the note and I say, um, how to, oh, 27 principles to, uh, to, to stop, you know, procrastination. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, that's in chapter like eight or nine. You can, it's powerful. Cool. Um, so then if I'm ever listening to that, I can go back and refer to it quickly. Or, you know, I take one of my rituals is always having a journal with me and documenting as much of my life as possible. I love that. So right. you just document like what you're learning, what lessons you're learning, what encounters you've had, who you've met, just, just everything. everything. Takeaways. So I started early in the journaling department and I've had a bunch of journals that had one page on them and that, that I wrote on, you know, yeah. I, just, I always try and I'm like, man, I could, how do you get this? Cause every mentor that I met, they're like journal, mm -hmm. just journal. And so I would buy one and I'd use one or two pages and then I still have some like that that I was going through the other day. But so what they didn't tell me is like what to journal, like okay. what do I journal? And so, um, I was always, I, for some reason in my mind, I looked at it as a dear diary. Okay. <laughs> dear diary. Yeah. It's August 26th, yeah. 2000, you know, 2020. I have a, I have a diary that I kept when I was little and it, and I love going back through it because I was in elementary school and you can tell that there's a season when I didn't write in it. And so I thought I was supposed to write in it every day. And so it would say like January 31st, sunny or cold, you know, <laughs> dear diary, it was sunny today. I went to work with mom, had lunch, ate dinner, your best friend. F-R-I-N-D, Hannah. And so like, you know, misspelled. And, and, yeah. But it would say the exact same thing. And it's like I went through the diary later and was like, oh, I didn't keep up with my days. And so I just went and wrote exactly what I thought I was supposed to write in my diary every day. That's how, that's how I'm wired. Right? And so nobody taught me how to keep one. Nobody right. says what to put in it. And so I tell people, get, get a journal. Write your downloads your takeaways from a conversation, your grocery list, your things to do, love notes to your wife, friendly reminders to your children, scribble on it, spill coffee on it, keep it with you, put everything in it. 
There's nothing that you can't put in it. Put your life in it, whatever it is. If you're upset, do that. If you feel like doodling, do that. Mm -hmm. And so nobody said just, it's yours. Right. It's just yours. Open up and do whatever you want to do with it. It's unlimited. Whatever you want to put in there. The journal police is not going to come and arrest you because you didn't do it right. That's so good. I have, I have, it's funny that we're talking about this because I used to journal faithfully and I have just bookshelves of journals and then I stopped and I can still go back to journals that I've written in and about like sometimes I'll have dreams, I'll write them down and then about a year and a half later that dream will make such clear sense Mm. and it'll pertain to something right here in the now a year and a half later. But, um, but I stopped and then I was gifted a journal here and gifted a journal over here. And then I got all kinds of my little elementary brain that wanted to write on every page in a system, what I was supposed to do. I was like, which journal do I write in about this? And which one, like, I have all these different, like journals now that have barely started. And so which one am I supposed to be working in? (laughs) So goofy, right. but like, so you just gave me something that will free me up to just grab one of them and take it with me and just do it instead of being paralyzed by the fact that I've got multiple journals right now and which one do I need to focus on? So it's yeah. good. So I did a kind of a crazy post and it'll probably make sense someday. Um, but when I graduate uh, a journal and I move on to the next one, there's like a soul attachment to my writing. Mm. To where I'm getting to the last pages of, of, a, of a journal and I'm like, but I've spent so much time with you because I've carried you around for the last 12 months. Uh-huh. And I'm like, my thoughts, my intimate, you know, like, and I do. Um, one of the things that one of my mentors taught me is like, man, when he said you could write a love letter to your wife and um, you know, there's some that you want to rip out and give to her. And then there's some that, you know, maybe one day your great grandchildren will read, will read and realize that their grandfather, their great grandfather was, you know, a, a side of him that maybe the stories didn't, you know, weren't yeah. saying, you know, like, so I write notes to my kids and my future grandchildren mm-hmm. and say, this is grandpa, but I'm thinking about you. I don't know who you are yet. We hadn't met. I love that so much. That's wonderful, Charlie. I love it. It's good. Legacy. Yeah. It's a legacy journal. It is a legacy journal. Or multiple journals. And mm. it helps you to gain insight. Do you find that you like get insight just from writing some things down that you'll suddenly have better clarity about it? Like when I'm talking about something, sometimes I'll be like, I'll have a problem and I'll start talking about it and then I'll come to the solution just by talking it out. Same thing. Do you find Mm. that at all with journaling? Sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes I get those. One of the things that paralyzed me about that is having uh, one of my excuses or self-sabotaging thoughts was, is like, well, the reason why I don't journal is because I think too fast and I can't write as fast as I think. Therefore, I'm paralyzed. So I don't know. I'm afraid that I'm going to lose a thought. I hear you. Yeah. And that I'm not going to be able to get it out. And so relaxing that and trusting and exhaling. So it was a practice that I had to do with myself, which was to train myself. as like, okay, whatever's supposed to be in there is supposed to be in there. And whatever's not. It's not, and that's okay. And the journal police aren't coming after you. Yeah, they, they're not. And that's kind of like the way it is in communication too, especially for people who have not been allowed to fit or weren't part of a tribe, and they felt like they were, their voice has been silenced mm-hmm. or muzzled or shut down. 
or not looked at as serious or not as important and you've closed your you've closed like this invisible hand is around your throat Mm -hmm. and doesn't want you to communicate or you know express yourself um a journal is something that 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 can help you overcome that because when you get those words out on paper it's such a release mm-hmm. like even if i even when i don't get all the stuff that's in my brain out on the paper the the, the two or three takeaways that i'm trying to hit home with mm-hmm. man i feel so fulfilled in writing those down as opposed to being paralyzed and being bottled up with all this stuff inside of me that I've always had good intentions of writing in a journal, but never did. Mm-hmm. So do you write out your goals? Oh my God, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I have to, which is a business plan. Mm-hmm. A business plan in your life is, is goals. Like when we submit, we, we, we put together business plans. I, I, I help business owners put their business plan together, mm-hmm. which is basically goal setting. Mm-hmm. And a prophet in the good book said that Without a business plan, you'll die. Mm-hmm. Without vision, the people perish. Yeah. Yeah. So if you don't have a vision, what is a vision? It's not, a, he didn't say if people have a good, good intentions. Mm-hmm. Vision is something that you can see. And how do you see it? In biblical time, well, you'd have to write it down. You'd have to inscribe it. You'd have to put it on the wall. You'd have to make it plain. You'd have to see it, touch it. And so that's what a business plan is for anybody who's starting out. It's actually the vision so that you can actually prosper mm-hmm. as opposed to not have a vision and perish. Mm-hmm. Did that answer your question? It did. That's okay. good. That's super good. Um, what is your big why? My biggest why is a word that you used is legacy. Mm-hmm. Is legacy. Um I came into the realization that I had a great-grandfather that lived in post. I never knew him. Mm -hmm. Of course, I I lived in Colorado for 28 years, so Texas was this way foreign land. It was like, it was Egypt, you Mm -hmm. know? Because in the summer, as little boys, we would come in the summer to Stanford, Texas. Uh And that was what I thought everything in Texas looked like. Oh. Yeah, so I was like, okay, no. And so, um, my why is legacy. And I found out that my grandfather was an entrepreneur and nobody ever told me. Mm-hmm. He owned a laundromat. He owned an oil changing service. Um, he owned a welding company. Mm-hmm. He owned a car wash. All in Post, Texas. Huh. He was a pastor of a church. So I'm like, well, this guy's my tribe. Like, that's my dude right there. Like, that's oh, that's me. That's where it's in your bloodline. <laughs> so one of the main reasons that I document in journal is because I want my family to know as much about me as possible when I'm gone. And I want them to um, have a better understanding that if they're in that same tribe, and if, well, here's, here's, the, here's the spot that I put myself in, is what if my great-grandfather had a book of journals that were available to me that I could go 
and seeing what kind of what made this man tick. What were his thoughts on a daily basis? I take this to church. David McQueen's notes are in my book. Mm-hmm. Um, Stephen Furtis' notes are in my book. My thoughts, my cores, my beliefs, my values, my disagreements, my gruntles, whatever. Um, what if I could go back and see where his mind was at on a given day, and mm-hmm. what his thoughts were? How valuable? How? What would that connection feel like? Mm-hmm. So one of my my biggest why is you know the grandchildren don't don't even exist right now. I, well, I have one, we have one grandchild on the way. She's supposed to be born this week. Congratulations in advance. <laughs> yeah. Zen Alice Quinones oh, is her name. Oh, what a beautiful name. And so we're pretty proud of that, uh, proud of her, and proud of our son and Sylvia. Um, uh, and and so I've been writing letters to Zen. Mm-hmm. about about that and so so there's one layer of that why of the legacy of to know and to become better as people and evolve and also teach them the discipline of that work and work ethic and personal growth and development because I want to groom my children to handle this wealth and to have a good relationship with it so that they're not in that same mentality or mindset that I was brought up in so they can have the opportunities to do things that, you know, it's cliche, that's cliche. It's like, you know, I want a better life for my children so that they don't have to necessarily experience all that that I had to experience. Well, I agree with that to a point, but I do want them to experience heartache and heartbreak and setback and feeling like they're, you know, behind the eight ball. Mm-hmm. Because those are the things, that's the serpent in the garden that was put there mm-hmm. by design mm-hmm. to grow you. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, so yes, financial I, I want to see them to be able to like have these, you know, three three houses that are, have been in our family for 20, 30 years because of Amy and I. This is future tense. This is not present. Sure. Um, that they're able to go to, and they have options. They have choice. They're, you know, they're, there's there's money coming in from multiple, you know, f- facets, and uh, pass that down. With my great grandfather, it died with my grandfather. You know, because he was like, I'm just going to work for 40 years with the same company, retire, get a pension. And mm-hmm. that plan worked out great for my grandfather. Mm-hmm. Um, so my dad tried following that same path. And then my dad wanted me to follow that path. And I was like, no. But if my dad would have known about my grandfather and said, wait, son, wait. This is making sense now. Your grandfather, your great grandfather, my grandfather he had this and did this mm-hmm. and had that and was like this and this is how he handled problems and success and situations and you know how, he his goal was to buy uh, 17 properties mm-hmm. he had 17 children mm-hmm. his goal is is that when he passed away everybody would get a business and everybody would get a house mm-hmm. what he didn't do in my opinion which I don't know can't validate is he didn't show him how to handle that wealth Mm-hmm. They sold the house, sold the company, stood 40 years at a job, worked the deal, did the thing. Mm-hmm. So part of my why is I don't want that disconnect. Mm-hmm. And this is what I'm finding. With my son, he's like, dude, I'm out. You know what I mean? Like, I'm checked out. I'm not following your same plan. Mm-hmm. I don't think the way you think. I don't like what you do. I'm 100% opposite. I'm like, I'm looking at my son. I'm like, okay, where Okay, where did you come from? Uh-huh. So learning to navigate that. has has been my challenge but that's a whole topic on itself that but what I was thinking of when you said that I love it that you brought it up because 
earlier when you were saying that you are of a different vibe tribe than your dad, I thought then generationally what happens when our own kids are a different vibe tribe from us, right? And that's hard. That's a whole different path to navigate because, you know, you want what's best for them. You know what can help them to grow. But then it's like, okay, but I just want to hang on and have some control over it and learning where that boundary is of being like, I'm going to let you find your own way and I'm Mm going to let you build your own path and in the same way that I did that, I'm going to trust that the path that you're designed to be on is going to profit you in life. You know, that you're, it's going to serve you well in life. Just do it out of confidence and not out of fear. Yeah. And that comes back to the quality of life and your emotions and how you feel. If what you're doing is leading you down to a, a place of mental peace, spiritual peace, joy, and love, that's an emotion And if the work that you're doing, your thought pattern that you have, if it's leading you to that and it's giving you a better quality of life, then do that. It's good. You know, on a very, I've brought it up a couple of times on other episodes and I'm not trying to beat a dead horse, but like my son does a little YouTube channel and he went from, he's just doing it because he loves it to getting so frustrated and angry about how he's like, figuring out how to do some of the things and he's hard on himself. He's only, he's not 12 yet. He's almost 12 and, and he, and he's extremely brilliant. And so he doesn't meet hardship very well. Like he, he, if it's going to challenge him, he likes to just be like, Nope, I'll go do something else. But with this, he's stuck it through, but he got to where he's so mad and angry and like, um, comparing and, uh, why does this person have more followers than I have? And this person just started and their stuff isn't very good. And then they have more followers. And I'm like, bud, are you doing this? Because at his age, are you doing this because it's fun and because it's something you enjoy and you want to contribute or are you doing it because you want followers? Yeah. Is that the only thing driving you? Because if that's the only thing driving you, it's not, you're not going to feel fulfilled because there's never going to be enough followers. There will never be enough pats on the back. There will, if that's what's driving you, but are you driven by being able to contribute by, by being in a lane that you really enjoy Mm -hmm. that you can help others in, in your own way, or is it all about you? Yeah. So that's a, that's a, that's a, a layer under another layer under another layer. So there's some underlying things in that process of like, okay, um, frustrated, with progress is one thing. If you're frustrated with progress, because we all do, you know, I'm working on my golf swing, I'm not making, I'm frustrated, throw the club down, I'm trying to progress and become better because here's the core. I enjoy playing golf, mm-hmm. but the process is a little uncomfortable. It's like I enjoy playing football, but push-ups are kind of not my thing. Mm-hmm. You still have to do it and you get frustrated with yourself. That's a different type of frustration, which is a, a growing pain. Mm-hmm. But the anger and hatred and bitterness and sorrow and just anger, and it leads you down this path of everything that's wrong and what's not right and whose justice is this. And if it's leading you down a path that that's a perpetual state of life that you're living, it diminishes your quality of life, your relationships, your self-esteem. It takes you down a dark path. Mm-hmm. That's, some, that's different than a growing pain of like, okay, I'm a YouTuber. I'm frustrated right now. It's like, okay. So here's here's the here's the recent lesson that I've I'm learning and growing into. My son sees the exact opposite politically of what I see, mm-hmm. and it's been known. 
and he's expressed it a little bit. But my son is can be very aggressive, mm-hmm. scary aggressive. Mm. We all can be. I can be. At least I can be. But it was like it was, and so it was something that we hadn't talked about in a very long time. Well, he's having a baby, and how does that family dynamic change to where like okay now we're in this political season here, mm. things are heightened. The very short version of that conversation is I knew immediately that we were going to have this conversation when it started unfolding. And immediately I had the cognitive mindset to say, let him express himself fully. If he needs to scream, yell, cuss, whatever it is, you create a safe space for him to feel like he's listened to. Mm-hmm. And for my wife, my wife, her tribe don't vibe like that. Oh no, you're not going to talk to me that way. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. She's from a different vibe. Tribe. And, and, and nobody likes being talked like talk to like that. But when you have a frustration and an anger and an angst, and I'm like, son, get it all out. And he chewed me up one side and down the other. Mm-hmm. He's 25 years old. He's a grown man. He's a right, he has a right to express himself. Mm-hmm. And you know, if, if this was the old me you know, 10 years ago, five years ago, whatever, I would have been like, click. Mm-hmm. Or you, know, you don't talk to me that way or whatever. And so creating a safe space for them to be undone. Mm-hmm. That's good. Even if in their frustration... Even if, even if they're frustrated about a YouTube cast and it's like, okay, well, tell me about that. Mm-hmm. How's it making you feel? And there's some questions that you can go into in the NLP, which is the Neuro Linguistic Programming that help people create, uh, open this um, mindset, which is, this is the second time it came to my mind, is yesterday I told my wife, I want you to listen to a statement and tell me your first response and I'm going to do it with you right now. Mm-hmm. Tell me how this lands on you. There's only one way to look at every situation it's patently false <laughs> patently false right but yet we live our lives that way mm-hmm. because in a relationship in a husband and wife he sees it one way you see it another way god forbid there's two mm-hmm. god forbid there's three Mm-hmm. But there's this circle of a situation that has all these views and perspectives, these two millimeter shifts within this dynamic mm-hmm. that allow you to see life at a different from a different way, a different perspective. So when you can create an opportunity with questions through neuro linguistic programming to say, well, what, have you researched that thoroughly, and do you know everything about that situation? Mm-hmm. And if the person's being honest, they're going to say, well, there's no way, there's no human possible way that I can know everything that's going on in China right now. Because mm-hmm. one, are you there? Mm-hmm. So what it does is it begins to open up this this window for potentially a different narrative to be told. Mm-hmm. And so getting people to a point to where they're like, well, maybe I don't know everything on that situation. And my job, here, here's the other thing with my son, is my job is not to convince him to come to my side. My job is not to tell him my perspective. My job is not to, you know, teach him a thing or two. My job is to remain in my confidence, remain in my peace, mm-hmm. be the change that I want to be. Mm-hmm. Be the leader. Be the leader. Because I want him to model my behavior. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And what if his what if his daughter, what if Zen grows up to be the, the opposite? What if she's what if she comes out and she's my vibe? Mm-hmm. Right. And now he's raising the very thing that he wrote that me and him are facing. Mm-hmm. And so I haven't shared that with him, but I need to get that communicated to him. That's so good. (laughs) 
Are you good with me keeping that whole thing in there? Yeah. Okay, good. It is, yeah. Good. Yeah, I mean, you have to be vulnerable, and, it, it, you know, it's helping me, and I'm sure it'll help somebody else. Yeah. Confident. So good. What or who has been the game changer in your life? My tribe. Mm-hmm. My tribe, which is my faith mm-hmm. that I believe in, my higher power. Um, that's my tribe. He's my tribe. Mm-hmm. He's my tribal leader. He's the big chief, cornerstone. And um, my wife and our children and all of the mentors and coaches that I've had along my along the way, the person that the, 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 the person that I've that I've devoured most of their content and have listened to it over and over and over and over again because I guess we're the same vibe tribe. Um, number one would have to be Jim Rohn mm-hmm. and number two would be uh, Napoleon Hill. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you're the sum of the top five people that you hang the most time around, right? And so, um, uh, Andrew and Dale Carnegie, um, those are some of the guys that I really look up to. Norman Vincent Peale is a big one. Mm -hmm. Um, Those guys that came out of the depression that had this resistance, Mm -hmm. that had this uh, depression, uh, they were behind the eight ball. They had this mindset that was unshakable and they created and formed a mastermind which was when a mastermind was actually coined, was right after the Depression. Oh, okay. Um, because Henry Ford and Charles Schwab and all these guys that were running together at the same time that revolutionized the steel industry, they're like, okay, they began to use the power of their network and created a vibration mm-hmm. to where they overcame. They would just sit and come together and overcome obstacles on how they could do things. Mm-hmm. And... Um, that's I think that's been my tribe is like when kids make an excuse for everything it's because they found a way around it which means that they're good at overcoming obstacles oh that's good do you have any advice for people who are trying to find their tribe uh, yeah just be aware that the reason why you haven't fit in the way you've not felt part of that group it's been by design that's happened for you and not to you you're not a victim but you can also begin to keep your eye out and be aware of like, okay, so who is my vibe? And when you know your vibe, because there's people in my life right now that are like, our tribes are very similar, um, but there's still, there's little nuances that we're like, okay, you know, mm-hmm. that's, you know, there's some differences there. So uh, my advice to people is just to feel where you feel, you know, get around people who speak some of the same things, maybe not the same way, but in the same manner. And make you feel good. Mm-hmm. And if you can't find anybody in your tribe, then start one. And be the uh, change that you want to be and speak life. Or whatever it is that you're trying to do. If you're trying to be positive and encouraging and have a no problem attitude. And an I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me mentality. Mm-hmm. And you can get some people behind you and rally those guys up. You'll attract them. Uh, and they'll come to you because the law of attraction is very, very real. Mm-hmm. Good. That's so good. If the world was your audience for five minutes and it was a guarantee that they would hang on your every word, what piece of advice would you give? Oh man, that's a great question. And I heard this question on the previous podcast and I said, she's probably, that sounds like a question she would might, she might ask me. <laughs> I thought to myself, if, if I had the world's audience, you know, on, on my every word, hanging on my every word, it would be two two words that, that go together and it would be um, consideration and understanding. 
were two words that drastically changed my life. Um, being a considerate person and considering others and then getting understanding mm -hmm. um, to grow, to become a better person. Those are the two key principles that I had to grow into mm -hmm. because the opposite of being a considerate person, person is uh, selfish um, and a lot of other things that I was mm -hmm. uh, in that deal until I learned how to be confident in my consideration and to let other people fit in conversation and understand that my perspective wasn't the only one and uh, realized that most people want the exact same thing that I want. At the end of our son's conversation, we wanted the exact same things. He hates child pedophilia, so do I. Mm -hmm. He hates trafficking, so do I. He hates that the law is broken, so do I. So I realized that really, it's not that we're divided, it's actually that we're more alike than we actually realize, but it comes from having consideration and having that understanding. Mm -hmm. Because you can begin to live at peace with your own mind and your own heart because you are able to rest in that and to know that um, you can give that and share that with others. And I think if we can do that, if we can be, if we can live in that harmony, mm -hmm. that's why it's so powerful when scripture says that where two or three are gathered, when two or three agree on a common thing, there's something to be learned there. Like, what is the power of harmony? What is the power of unity? It means that if you marry somebody and you're in harmony and those two become one, it means that you guys become unstoppable. Mm -hmm. But a lot of it in relationship, and that's I guess that would be the thing is, the if I could overarch it, it would be the relationship with yourself is the most important relationship that you can have. And the second is the relationship that you have with others. And it's almost close to what, uh, you know, um, Jesus said is to love love God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. Mm -hmm. Which is the greatest commandment is to love. And with that love comes being, because he was always, you know, I got that, that consideration and that understanding which I grew in wisdom. And Proverbs says a lot about understanding mm -hmm. and how you're supposed to wear it and what comes with it and what are the benefits of it. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's how Solomon was so wise is because he dwelt together with in, in that understanding and he was patient and considerate and was confident. So Where are you headed and how are you going to get there? Where am I headed right now? Forward and upward always is kind of my thing is forward and upward. And, um, and how am I going to get there is to continue to grow and evolve and be flexible and adapt. You know, everybody is born in one world. But before their very eyes, they wake up one day and they're in a completely different world. Absolutely. So true. And so being able to be flexible along the way and to not be so rigid and dwell with consideration and understanding so that I can adapt with the times. One of the things that one of my mentors, Tony Robbins, is shared, or teaches us in Business Mastery is how to look down the conveyor about 35 years in industry. And with Tony, he's able to do that because he's got the resources and the people to look literally 35 years down the road into technology mm -hmm. and see what's coming down the conveyor belt. And when you look down the conveyor belt, you look like you look at industry disruptors, mm -hmm. and those disruptions helps helps you to adapt. If you're a cab company and you're too rigid, and you hear something through the coming through the grapevine that people might start lending their cars out and using them for their own personal use to carry around. 
instead of being rigid, you adapt. And you, yes, you pivot with that, you knowing pivot. what's coming. Instead of being afraid of it or saying, I'm going to dig my heels in and this is how, yeah. Yeah, you, you, so uh, you, uh, you're able to, to do that. So where am I going and how am I going to get there uh, is part of that. And then also continue that, that forward and upward, meaning growing, personal development, communication with my core, which is my wife and my children, which is an ongoing thing. You know, I think um, infinite intelligence and, you know, nobody knows the height, the width, the depth of what he has for us. And the reason why is because it's so grand for me. The reason why is it's so grand and he's so infinite that, you know, we get to spend the rest of our lives asking ourselves, God, what's next? What's what you have for us? Yeah. Yeah. So good. Yeah. Thank you for being here. This was just fantastic. I am so honored to have you here. Like, it's such a blessing. So thank wow. you. I feel the same way. Thank you for having me, Anna. Thank you. So one more time, this was Charlie Quinones. You can connect with him on Instagram at CQBizCoach. That's C-Q-B-I-Z coach. Charlie Quinones is his name. You can find him on Facebook. You can call him. I can't describe to you the amount of positive energy that emanates off of Charlie. I'm so thankful that he agreed to come to be on this podcast. I hope that you walk away feeling a little bit richer today. I know that I feel richer every time I'm around him. There's just so much wisdom so much peace, so much joy that comes from this man. And so I am super pumped to get to just introduce him to many of you today. If you liked what you heard, I would ask that you please just leave me a rating and a review. Share the podcast with your friends. Um, you can connect with me at Pursuing Perfectcellence Podcast on Facebook or Instagram at P-E-R-F underscore excellence on Twitter, or you can email me at perfectcellent at gmail.com. That's perfectcellent with a T at the end at gmail.com. Thank you once again for tuning in, and I look forward to connecting with you next time as we continue on this journey away from the paralyzing pursuit of perfection and toward the empowering expectation for personal excellence. Take care, friends.